Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Well, good morning, everyone. Today will be epic. If you are visiting at Grace, this is a great day to visit a church. And if you're relatively new to a church, this is a great time to experience what we're going to have to do today because today you get to see um, what a family, an extended family of God looks like. You know, in the Christian church, we will say to other people that are also followers of Christ, oh, they're brothers or they're sisters. And sometimes it's hard to actually envision and, and, and realize sometimes in a physical context. And today we get to, we get to be part of that. Now, before we go any further, let me plague you with the question that's been nagging me for quite a while, for years and years. Um, I think it, it dawned on me my first year in graduate school, and I just started looking around and asking a simple question, um, how are things going like in the world? And I mean, are they, are they getting more moral, more godly? Are people pursuing goodness, or are they becoming less moral and less godly? And and in the absence of, of good things, are marriages easier to kind of maintain commitments to these days as compared to the past, or are they getting more and more difficult? Some of you in your early or late 20s, early 30s are probably seeing marriages that you were part of, maybe in the ceremony, and, and now you're finding out about the divorces, the many divorces or the difficulties in marriage. How about families? Are they easier to be part of? Is it a safer place to raise children, or is it more difficult? And what I'm, what I'm seeing is not a lot of people are pursuing God. Our, our culture has changed, not, not in Austin, I'm talking globally, that, that people just don't pursue God. Um, they seem like they're in a fight with him. And if you look at the patterns of people's lives, you can see that there are some people that, that want to get well, they want, it, they want to get better, and they, and they find themselves wanting to pursue God but don't know how, and they get involved in a great church, and, and they find people in that great church that they can surround themselves with so they can learn how to change through the grace of God, someone who can help them, you know, kind of off, off the edge of, of their stubbornness because so much of what we want and what God wants for us is on the other side of fear, and sometimes we just need someone to push us. And people that do that, they find a great church to get involved in, and then they pursue God with their whole hearts, and, and, and they choose to, to change. Then they can live fulfilling lives, and they live a life with not nearly as many regrets, and they have stories to tell about God's greatness. And I, I've seen, because I've been around long enough to see patterns in people's lives where um, if they just choose to do nothing, there's nothing active in their life, they just kind of go. They just do they find themselves easily ignoring God and not going to a, a great church, maybe going to a church because it's kind of a dutiful thing. But they, they don't want to change, and they don't want to surround themselves with people that are kind of pushing them farther. They want to f- keep friendship shallow. And what happens in that is they just they live year after year, and then it becomes decade after decade, and they get to a point in their life, and they're, if they have a marriage, it's, it's, it's superficial at best, and they, and they just live with so much regret I mean, secular writers have been writing books about this for about 30 years, maybe 40 years now. And you can't get those lost years back. And, and so what do you do, you know? What are you going to do about that slide? About, a, a, about an oh-so-subtle fork in a road that just kind of drifts 
but then get so far apart, you wonder, how, how did you end up here? Well, God has a plan, and the plan has, has been this, that we would be salt and light. We would be salt of the earth and we would be light of the world, that the church, the bodies of Christ becoming the body of Christ, would be salt of the earth and light of the world. And, and what that means is that in, in, a, in a world that is decaying and, and filled with death, with a putrid smell that, that has uh, arguments with God that care, couldn't care less about his commandments and the joy that they could have by surrendering to him, in the middle of the chaos, he throws salt in there to preserve it, to preserve the hope of life, to add flavor to keep it alive a little longer. He tells us, the church, to be that salt, and he tells us to be the light of the world, to be um, a lighthouse, that people, it would be a beacon of hope. If you just come here, you won't wreck your life on some, on, on some rock. It, you won't ruin your life if you just follow. Our, the light of the world shines light on things that are, are evil, and they ruin souls, and they ruin relationships, and they... And they and they marginalize our relationship with God. And so Jesus said, look, I have, I have come, I will leave my spirit in the church because the church is the hope of the world. He didn't come and say, I'm going to start a school or a business or a nonprofit, right, you know, United Way kind of thing. He didn't want to start a government. He said, I want, upon this rock, I will build my church, and it will attack the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. That was, that was the plan, and there's no plan B. It's us. It's us. We are God's plan for a world that desperately needs him. And so in 1968, a number of just a couple of families got together in the living room. They called it a house church, and, and they, had, they wanted to know about God's greatness, God's goodness, and their lives were changed, and word got out, and more people came. And within a year, they're meeting in a car dealership, oddly enough, and within another nine years, they bought this land. Because when the Lord builds the house, the Lord's fingerprints are on the shovels that break the ground. And as the church continued to grow, we ran out of office space. I'm just kind of surveying the miracles here. We ran out of office space, and we needed a place to, to house more ministry in the Cornerstone building. And so we looked around, and, and the man across the street sold us that building. Because when the Lord builds the house, the Lord goes before the, 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 the lunch times and says, hey, I want you to sell your building to these guys. I know you don't want to sell your building, but you're going to sell your building to these men. They'll represent the church because when the Lord builds the church, he makes that happen. And then, and then in 2005, we started taking a very ambitious look at this facility right here. Eight, eight variances to be able to build this building in a city that gives maybe two on any given site in their history, and we received eight because when the Lord builds a house, when the Lord builds the church, it's his signature that's on those blueprints, and we're sitting in here today because, you know, we, we wanted those stories. We needed those stories. We could, not, we could not allow ourselves to be a church that could experience growth because of shrewd leadership and hard work. We were not going to be that kind of a church. 
We wanted, a, we wanted to be a church that told these crazy stories of God doing things or we won't go. And, and that's, what, that's what this is. That's what happened here. And real lives were really changed. And remember three weeks ago, I hope you were here, three weeks ago we had people stand up that knew, uh, knew no, nothing of the old auditorium. They thought this was the, the first auditorium where, look, the, a new church got, bought this land. And we had about 55% growth since we put this building up. And it seemed like when we had everyone stand up, remember, if you, if you were new to Grace, so new that, you know, you were here since 2009 when we opened the buildings, we asked you to stand up. And it seemed like about half the congregation stood up. And you guys that stood up, I want you to hear this. You're the reason we do what we do. You're the reason that this church got started in 1968 and, and, we, and we give and we pray and we serve and we try to do what the Lord wills because we never wanted to put out a sign that said no vacancy. You know, we don't want to be pushed. We don't want to be stressed. We don't want to be fearful. But that's not the way God works. We wanted to do something more. And, and, and it's you that stood up that gives us, I mean, we didn't know you. And we wanted you to have a seat here. We'd never met you, and we wanted you to have a story where God rescued your marriage or your family or taught you how to parent more effectively or how to have a great relationship with him so that you could have a great relationship with other people. And the, and the people that were sitting here while you were standing, they put off home improvements of their house and extended vacations and, and all sorts of other things, and they gave regularly and sacrificially to this local church. God's plan A, so that you could come, and you came. We feel like God led you here. We don't, we don't do much except open our doors up. And, this, and what kind of stories do you have because you came here? We've been having some videos so that you could see them about what happens when people come into a church where God is working, you know, the Lord is building this house. And, and, and our labor's not in vain, and you probably have stories about something stirring in your heart during one of our times together, about having a relationship with someone here, maybe in the men's group or the women's Bible study or our collective worship time where you can't explain it. And you say, there's something happening in my heart, and it's, and it's going in the right way finally. And you find yourself, you know, <laughs> like the Scrooge where your heart grows three times, and you can't explain your your affection for people that are living in your own house, but you're doing things and saying things because you're being revolutionized from the inside to the outside. This is a place, I love this place, because this is a place where no matter what your background is, no matter where you've been, no matter what sins you've committed, no what, what you've been doing is not the issue here. If you want to change, you can come here. And we, and we can be helpful in part of that. If you want to learn about the greatness of God, this is where we want We would love for you to come and learn about the spectacular nature of God. The most important thing about you is what you think about God. And we want to make sure you think right about God. And so we, t we try to teach the Bible as much as we possibly can. And people continue to come here. And right now, we're, we've, while this place has room for you know, another 40, 50%. We don't have room anywhere else. We don't have room in the children's buildings, and we've run out of room for the kids and the youth. We have some very ambitious things planned for our marriage ministry and 
January, February 2015, but they won't work unless we have more roof, more housing, more space. And so what we've done is in the last few weeks is we've gone out on this adventure um, I'm past the threshold of fear because most of what God has for us is on the other side of that fear. And we said, let's do what God has done historically when he needed to expand the ministries throughout, throughout history. So his plan is, is to bring people closer to him to become dependent upon him. And as we get closer to God, it's his central point, right? We become closer to each other and become interdependent on each other. We need each other in a, in a, in a different le- level, a different way, a different depth. And so that's how it was when they built uh, the original tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. They, Moses asked everybody to ask God what to do, ask God how much to give, and they came forward and they gave so much Moses had to turn them away because they were so joyful and so expectant to be able to be part of, build, being part of giving towards the Ark of the Covenant. And the, and the, and the gold wasn't theirs. It was it was given to them by a bunch of Egyptians as a get-out-of-town gift. And then, you know, in the church age, you know, later on, when the church needed things, everybody brought their money and their finances and their assets together. It was, such, it was communal, and no one was, with, with, was in desperate need because the church rose to that occasion. And what I'd like to emphasize today, just specifically in a Bible passage, is when they built the, the temple. Now, the tabernacle was a temporary housing for the Ark of the Covenant, and so David wanted to build the tabernacle, a, 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 you know, a fixed one, made out of brick walls and, and, and stone and something very permanent, something spectacular that the whole world would look up on the highest hill and see, wow, the Jehovah God must be great. And that was David's dream, but it wasn't. It wasn't his dream. It was, the, it was the dream that his son was to have. And so God said, David, you can't do that. You're such a great warrior, but your hands are too bloody to build a house of worship. And I'll let your son, peace, shalom, Solomon, build it. And so I think it's interesting that the writer of Chronicles, it's the last chapter in 1 Chronicles. It is, and, and, the, and the priest there that's writing that wants you to, to see the climax of David's life because it's the last thing David does in his life is to raise money for a temple that he'll never see. And, and this, is, this is his prayer. He, he's, he's, he's going to, after this, all he has left to do is die. And so he gives his vast fortune towards the project, and then, and then the leaders step forward and they give their wealth towards the project, and then everybody else gives towards the project because they've come closer to God and closer to each other. And so th- this, this, I'm going to do an extensive reading for you about that, what happened that day in David's prayer. But before I do, I want, to, I, want you, I want to tell you what to look for, what to listen for. We're going to see it up on the screen. I'm going to try to read it effectively. But I want you to look for these three things. One, I want you to listen for the love they have for the greatness of God. Listen to how many times David's going to be talking about how great God is, how many attributes he'll give to God. And then second, that all the possessions that they have belong to God. And then finally, uh, the, the joy they have in giving. Okay, That's what I want you to listen for. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's the last chapter. It's, it's the last thing that David does. The people... The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders that they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. 
And David, the king, was also rejoicing greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel. For everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. That's all yours. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as the head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. And your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, O God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. Look at verse 14. But who am I and who are your people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And, you have, and, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. O Lord, our God, for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, O oh God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and honestly with intent. And now I have seen with joy the willingness of your people who are here that have given to you. So, O oh Lord, God of our father Abraham and Isaac and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. Is that a, that, I love that prayer. It is an amazing prayer that he got to see the joy of the people giving back to what God had given them. And he was, his last part of his prayer was, God, I hope that you would keep the integrity of their heart that they're experiencing right now for their whole life. Now, you have to understand the context of this. The leaders were many of David's friends, his mighty men, his soldiers that were part of his, his platoon way back before he was king. They are old men. And I want you to understand that when they gave sacrificially and joyfully, they gave to a temple that they would never get to experience walking on its foundation, they would be dead. They would never hear the hammers or the saws of the lumber being cut and mounted. It was for, they gave for someone else. They would never smell the beautiful offerings that would billow over the mountaintop. It was for their grandchildren and for people they didn't know. These men fought and, and risk their lives so that this generation of, of people could enjoy the laughter that comes when you know your world is at peace. And they would never experience it for themselves. They weren't giving to something that they could experience. They were giving to something that someone else could experience. Now, if you're visiting today or maybe you're just, if you want to kind of just watch kind of um, with expectation and like in an informed manner, I want when we're, we're going to have people come and give their offerings today, I want you to look at the people because you're going to see people that are 50, 60, and above, and they're not going to go into the Live Oak building. Some of them, many of them won't need to ever go in the Live Oak building. They're done. Their children are grown. They won't have children or youth there, but they're going to come down 
And they'll be youth, the student ministry, our junior high and senior high ministry, some of those students are going to be coming down, and they're going to put an offering, a, a pledge card in there, and, and they've been asked not to give towards a room that they'll use regularly. They're going to be asked to give towards a room that their children could come to because the, so many of the students that still attend the church here that were part of the student ministry, their children are in the Cornerstone building. And so we wanted them to give to another generation. We wanted people not to give for what they would enjoy, that's fine, but for some people that they had never met, just like this auditorium, people gave towards this building, towards people that they would never meet. You, if you stood up, you are the answer to our prayers. And now what we get to do today is we get to pray more prayers towards people that we haven't met yet. The, the Kind of the bedrock of a lot of the things we've been talking about for the last almost year is this slide that says, this quote that says, The society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they shall never sit in. That, that shade tree is called the live oak building. That's what we're going to do today. Here's how we're going to do it. We wanted every single person to have a chance, or at least every family. And so we put one of these in every bulletin. There's some pens floating around. And we're going to want every single person. If you're visiting today, here's what you do. You, you, you know, you can, I want you to come down and experience this because this is like what it's like to be in a family. And if this was Communion Sunday, we'd want you to participate in communion if you're a follower of Christ. So you can kind of go along with us because I want you to have that experience. In the name here, you can put what's your name. You said. Batman, and we'll leave you alone. So we do not want now Bruce Wayne. I'd like to talk to him. Uh, so you just fill out your name. That, that little the dotted line is not to tear off. It's not to cut. We're going to need both sides, and you fill out your name and your address and contact information, and then the total amount you're going to give. And how you plan on doing that. And we've been asking people for weeks now to ask God to fill in those blanks for them. And so some people are going to come today and they say, look, I, I declined prayerfully. God has directed me not to give this time. Because we wanted everyone to enjoy this. And we still do. Fold that card in half and in just, a, I mean, in less than a minute, we're going to want everybody to come down. Maybe say a tiny prayer before you leave. But there's these, there's these standing urns. There's about nine of them. There's four up front. There's two or three in the back at the, at the entranceways, right? You can see those. And then there's two at the very back. If you're sitting high and you don't want to come down the stairs, there's two at those platforms at the very top of our auditorium. We want to have a celebratory time today. We want to have a lot of fun while we get an opportunity to do what David did and Moses did and the church fathers did. And now we get to do this for people we haven't met that will come in and we will enjoy the stories that they'll be telling soon. Let me pray to that end and then we'll start. Dear Lord Jesus, <laughs> we are so amazingly grateful that we get to be at this time living in Austin in this place to be part of this family and we get to be here on this Sunday so that we can do this. This will be part of our family. This will be part of my history forever. And so, God, we are just, we are, we are claiming those things that are true, that you are God and you own all things. And everything that we have, riches and honor, they're just yours. 
And so we're just giving you back things that you gave to us. So, Lord, enjoy the joy in our hearts. Enjoy the celebration of being surrendered to you, to have, having wrestled with you at a river that's named after our own ego. We've given our lives to you, and now we just give back in this, in this way. Be pleased, God, and keep this joy in our hearts. I know you love integrity of heart, Lord. Let us keep that integrity of this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, let's turn the house lights up and let's brighten things up a little bit. Follow me. As I walk around our ministry, I get to see God changing lives. Sometimes it's a kid who asks one of their small group leaders to pray about something with them, and then they saw God answer that prayer that week. Or it's a parent who never knew how to have a spiritual conversation with their child, and they use some of the tools we offer to help them win at home. Or it's a child who screams at the thought of leaving mom, eventually getting to the point where they gladly run into their preschool room to play with their leaders and friends or the ultimate change of a child having that unique God moment when they put their faith in Christ for the first time and accept God's free gift of grace. One of the big changes that we've seen with our daughters is that they'll have different challenges coming up and we're able to take a lesson that they've learned at Grace and really apply it to them and they can see how it fits so well with their lives. All sorts of things that they've been studying the week before will have a challenge that goes through the week and they come home and we'll look at their um, packet of information and it will just be custom made for the challenge they're facing. I just know my kids love uh, being involved in Changlink. They always have a blast and we get to talk about the stories and uh, the virtues that they've learned uh, at the end of the day. I've seen kids that were really, really shy turn into leaders. I've seen kids that were stubborn, hard-hearted, turn into tender-hearted kids that cared for other kids. I've seen kids that wanted to throw down and fight with each other turn into best friends. I've seen kids that look like they didn't care about anything, decide that having a relationship with God was really important. You can watch their relationship develop with God and, and just get more comfortable with that and comfort, more comfortable with each other. They're building their own little community. So I love connecting with the children and building relationships with the children and becoming part of their extended church family. Um, I love to see them sing and dance and react to the stories. They just bring an uninhibited joy to the class. Our entire ministry model in children's ministry is built around the three core values of Grace Covenant Church. Our ministry is full of people who are committed to service. They're connecting in relationships to mentor children and partner with parents, all in hopes that God's grace would transform the children, their families, and us as leaders alike. My favorite thing about church is hearing all the different stories about God and Jesus. I just think they're really interesting. That's how I got to know about a lot of things about God. The reason why I really love my church is because all of the Sunday school teachers that I've ever had have really helped me learn more about Jesus Christ. My favorite thing about church is hearing Bible stories. My favorite Bible verse is Micah 6-8. Here, Sonia Model is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk calmly with your God? My favorite thing in church is praising the Lord. 
That's one of my favorite parts. I like to come to church to see Hannah because she's my small group leader. I want to be baptized because I want to show everybody that I believe in God. My favorite Bible verse is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. <laughs> I've been watching these videos and even some of the extended ones um, for the last few months, and, it, and I, I wanted to do my own. Uh, it's it's uh, my turn to say thank you. Um, it is such an unusual opportunity uh, in my profession to be anywhere for any period of time. And I've been here uh, 24 years, and I have seen so much, and it is, so, it is such a tremendous gift from God to be able to spend so much of, of a person's life in one place and to see so many things happen in ministry and to see so many miracles uh, take place. I love what we do together. You know, I love what we do together. I mean, already, uh, the site's not up uh, to date. There's, I think, 35 people that have pledged. We've raised about $2,100,000 so far. We are on our way. I love what we do together. Just today. And, you know, more, almost half of my life I've been, you know, on this corner. Almost half of my life. And I have seen um, so many little kids uh, fall in love with Christ and, and teenagers, you know, get sober and say, wow. I mean, this is for the, for the rest of my life before they make real decisions, right, about career and, and marital decisions, vocational decisions. And they just, they want to completely surrender to God before they, they kind of go out there. It has been such a joy to see. Because I've been here so long, I get to see them make those choices in marriage and uh, what they want to, how they want to express the gifts that God has given them in a vocational way. And it's just such a blessing to see older couples come in and they have kids already and, they, and, they, and they've come to Christ. There's a couple older men that have come to Christ like in their 70s and 80s. They've been bumping around their whole life, you know, just, just scars on their forehead because that's what it looks like when you're blind running into things. And then you find Christ and it's like all this time, help me make the most of the last five or ten years. It has been such a privilege to be here. It has been such a joy. And I think, I think the things... Uh, that I enjoy most is that my children right now, just right now, um, are salt and light. They, they walk with God and they are um, kind of standing out in their peers. They're in their 20s. And, and, and I remember the day that my daughter came home from Sunday school class, a little bitty, I think five or six years old, and she, they did a mission emphasis Sunday. And she came home with this kind of fake passport, and it had stamped all the little countries that she had gone to in a rotation and how God was working and what, they, what she could do if she chose to go there, you know. And so she came back, and she said, I want to go all over the world. I want to tell people about what Christ can do in their life because of our Sunday school classes here. And our, our three kids were going through the youth group, and it wasn't just a great time to be going through the student ministry. Our youth pastor had lost uh, some of his core beliefs, and then... 
We hired someone else that had a very difficult time connecting with us and, and, and being able to communicate his beliefs. And so they were in this time where, you know, Melinda and I were pretty stressed because it was not a good time to be gambling, you know, with our kids. Uh, it was so, it was such a delicate time in their lives and we wanted, you know, kind of a stabilizing uh, face for it and we didn't have that. And then, you know, we, we, we noticed that what was so much deeper than like the one person was the mass of volunteers that were working in the student ministry that brought stability to that. Because every believer is a minister here, there was little, if any, compromise in, in, in spiritual input into their lives. And they still go to those adults to this day for advice or just to hang out and enjoy life together. And I want to thank a lot of them are sitting right over here. I want to thank you guys for doing that for us when, you know, in that time where they didn't want to listen to us anymore. And then, you know, the time in our own marriage where, um, you know, if it weren't for the small group ministry here at Grace, uh, during the grinding years when the kids were really young and, you know, that bewitching hour around 7 o'clock when, you know, it's all hands on deck because the kids need to be fed and bathed and put to bed and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Melinda was too tired and didn't want to kind of, you know, step into it. No, that was me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was me. And we were in a small group Bible study in somebody's living room, and we were going around the room, and we both were convicted, cut to the quick, about our just petty selfishness and how that day, that night, on the ride home, it had to end. I just don't know where we would be if we wouldn't have had that happen to us. I don't know where we'd be if we didn't have a, you know, a small group Bible study to have gone to when we were young couples. And all the mentoring I've enjoyed uh, from, from men and, and women that are uh, got a couple years on me, I just want to thank you for the joy of the Lord that I have in my heart. I could make a video, you know, and I, just, I wanted to just say that. I want to thank you for being grace. A church that um, gives grace and receives grace and, is, and had had many opportunities to let me go and chose not to. And uh, so I want to thank you for that. Let me, I'm just, that's it. That's all I have to say today. I mean, let me close in a word of prayer. We'll have a regular opportunity to give uh, in our offertory time. Thank you again for being a, just a fabulous church. It's so easy to brag about where anybody can come in if they want to change. And we can be part of that change. Thank you, Grace. Dear Lord Jesus, um, I know I, my life, I know my, my life speaks for the lives of so many people here, and it would just be a video montage that would go on for days about what you've done um, through the power of your spirit, just speaking to us in the whispers, but also in the conversations that we've had in this auditorium and, in, and on this campus and in living rooms all around the city of Austin, and we are so grateful for this church. We're grateful for the the men and women that started it and the men and women that chose to keep it going and and the difficult decisions that were made over the years, and now here we are. God, we are so pleased and blessed. And Lord, I'd ask again that you would acknowledge the joy in our hearts today and and, and you would see the integrity of that joy and you would help us maintain that, that you would be pleased with this church. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.